Empire has this kind of power, what chance do we have? What chance do we have? The question is what choice? Run, hide, plead for mercy, scatter your forces. You give way to an enemy this evil with this much power and you condemn the galaxy to an eternity of submission. The time to fight is now. Hello, Star Wars fans and Moof Milkers everywhere, and this is episode 54 of Blast Points, and it's here. There's only one thing to talk about in this episode. I think, Gabe, you and I, we've both spent all weekend in movie theaters, pretty much. Yep. Watching it over and over and over again, and I think we're finally ready to talk about the one thing everyone wants to talk about, collateral beauty. Life is about people. At the end of the day, we are here to connect. I'm never going to be happy if you're not in my life. What if all we have is love? It's the reason for everything. Something's starting to happen to you. This profound connection. No, 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 no! No, we didn't really go see Collateral Beauty. No, I wish. I thought about it. Actually, but I we did. were we were too preoccupied with there was a new Star Wars movie. Yeah, maybe you heard about it, Rogue One. It was okay. <laughs> it was all right. So you did. Uh, you saw it three times. You're at three as of recording, right? Or four? Yeah, only three. I feel. I can't keep up with you. <laughs> well, I did, yeah. I gotta catch up. I did five. I wasn't playing on five, but I did five. And, you know, it gets better and better every single time. That's true. That's how you know it's a Star Wars movie. Mm-hmm. And it's not like the first time I didn't like it. But it's like going to see new Star Wars movies are weird. It's a weird experience. Yeah, I agree. It's like, I think you have to, for me, it's like the first time doesn't even register. No. <laughs> it's like I just have to, like, sit through it. And then the second time I can start to pay attention, and then by the third time it's like, then I'm ready. Yeah. <laughs> ready for the, I'm ready to watch it. 
if you're a Star Wars fanatic, you kind of think about the movie a lot before it comes out. Yeah. And you kind of have to watch it once to see what it actually is as opposed to what you thought it was going to be. And mm-hmm. then you can start to kind of appreciate it for what it is once your original preconceptions kind of go away. Now, what are, what are your what are your overall thoughts on Rogue One right now? <laughs> I really liked it a lot. Um, I thought it did turn out kind of how I thought, where it, it really felt like a movie adaptation of one of the comic books or a live-action version of Clone Wars or Rebels. Like, I, it definitely had the feel of, you know, some of the work with the story group and how all the Star Wars stuff is all kind of... I mean, it's always been in the same universe, but they're definitely making a point of making everything kind of interconnected. So it really had that feel like I was watching a live-action version of the cartoon in a way. And the funny thing I thought, too, is that it actually made me really appreciate Force Awakens a lot more because of the fact that Rogue One was so different in feel from previous Star Wars movies. I really made me appreciate how well Force Awakens fit in with the other saga films, mm-hmm. um, which was not something I was expecting. I, after seeing some of the early reviews, I was like, oh, man, I'm going to love this way more than Force Awakens. But then after seeing it, it was like, man, I actually it made me love Force Awakens even more, too, which I wasn't expecting. It's weird because I... It's like how everybody, you know, on the internet, it's like I want here's here's my here's my Star Wars list, and you know we're we're guilty of that too, making like the Star Wars list. But I almost feel like one day I will have my I will have an episode list and a standalone list because I feel like it's exactly what I thought it was going to be in terms of a standalone. But actually seeing the first standalone movie and kind of like oh okay, this is how these movies are going to kind of be. That was took a minute to get used to like it doesn't have the like the fairy tale nature that kind of force awakens was so much embracing yeah well not having it be about the jedi and just kind of being more about just random normal people in a way yeah it gives it more of a i mean i guess like i said it really does feel more like just like a war movie and not like I feel less fantasy, I guess, in a way. Yeah, totally. And more, maybe more just sci- more sci-fi and less fantasy than than the previous films had been because it didn't. It had that mystical element, but the mystical element from a normal person, not from a Jedi or right. a wannabe Jedi or training to be a Jedi. It took a minute to get used to, for me at least. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And but it's, I think it's one of those things too. Is like the more you watch it and you can kind of accept it on for what it is. It really just keeps getting in better and better because now you know, yeah, you know what you're in for, which it is this whole new thing that we've never had to, we've never experienced before in Star Wars films. No, and I like I look at it as like a fascinating piece of Star Wars history being told of the galaxy. I never would have thought that the story of the opening crawl of Star Wars would be told and would be this fleshed out. But what's cool is it's like we I think we talked about this with the old Gendy uh was it season three where they did crawl from Revenge of the Sith as a cartoon. Right. Kind of getting the same thing, but now yeah, now it's in live action, which just takes it to a whole nother level. But but you know, the other thing I was surprised is how well especially since I think with Gareth Edwards kind of embracing modern technology more so than Force Awakens did, how much it felt like an actual continuation from Revenge of the Sith. Yes. Um, and it was like where through the prequels, they gradually got closer and closer to the original trilogy's kind of feel where now we actually had in a way, a prequel film in the style of the prequels in a way where they went to tons of planets. There was kind of a, 
maybe a faster story, more characters, huge space battle at the end, all done in the style of A New Hope that I think you could almost have a new trilogy now where you could watch Revenge of the Sith, Rogue One, and A New Hope, and it almost works as its own little mini-story because A New Hope is so self-contained that it's actually a satisfying ending to a story that I think one of these days I'm going to just watch those three. Like you were saying, it, it it kind of begins in that, still in that Revenge of the Sith almost style and look. And it slowly over time over the movie kind of morphs into more of the Star Wars 77 minimalist kind of look. Like I was thinking yeah. of like the stuff with Jin in the prison and stuff in the beginning. And especially just seeing the visual cue of the turbo tank instantly makes you think of Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, that was one of my favorite little parts because I wasn't. It's it was impressive to me. I think they did a much they had a much uh, tighter ship this time. It's like how little stuff actually leaked. Oh yeah, as much as people was were trying to figure everything out and in as <laughs> as little as we tried not to be spoiled, how much stuff there actually was that I didn't know was going to be in there. Oh yeah, and the turbo tank was one of them. I was like, oh man, there is stuff from the prequels in here. I feel after the, the the one of the first things I thought after I saw Rogue One, and I put it on Facebook was that I really feel like um, Gareth Edwards made like a, it's a love letter to Star Wars, and not just I mean really especially the the nineteen seventy seven film, but really I feel like Star Wars as a whole. He's oh totally. It's like a it's a tribute to the whole saga, Rogue One. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like I was saying with doing you know three three and a half four as a three as a trilogy because you know with admiral radis and the battle and everything it kind of incorporates stuff from that you think of with jedi that it's almost like you get a little bit of empire and jedi before empire and jedi and with revenge of the sith kind of ending with vader now in the suit going into this seeing vader you know being evil vader yeah and then going immediately into a new, a new hope that you do i think it would work at quite well as like a, a little as a story with just those three movies because um, you get the happy ending and a new hope that you don't get in rogue one or revenge of the sith much as I like Force Awakens, it was nice to see ILM and Star Wars going back to really pushing technology to, cr- to do crazy stuff you've never seen before. Oh, absolutely. And this time basically turning the, the power of CG characters to bring humans back to life instead of, I mean, because I think it's funny to think too, other than uh, one of our favorites we'll talk about later, pretty much all the creatures were practical, I think, and then we had all the CG used for humans this time. Well, and I think K2SO. Well, is, that's true. You're right. Is absolutely mind blowing as a visual effect. Yeah. So much so I forgot about him <laughs> when we were talking about CG stuff just now. Yeah. I mean, you, um, you believe that, K2SO is there with them. Yeah. And he's another, I think, kind of, he's in the style of the original trilogy, but he's, I think, a nod to the prequels where we have uh, effectively a battle, a battle droid as a main character. Right. 
which is great because yeah again this is like i think it was a perfect bridge between the prequels and the original trilogy that i don't think anyone ever expected that we would get a live action transition film no i was thinking that during my uh during viewing number five today where i was like especially during the end space battle i was like if if someone would have told us that this movie was going to come out in 2016 we never would have believed it or that a space battle like at the end of rogue one was going to happen one day yeah that we would ever see something almost as crazy as the uh return of the jedi battle yeah or one star destroyer cutting through another star destroyer yeah impossible never would have happened an analysis of the plans provided by princess leah has demonstrated a weakness in the battle station the approach will not be easy. You're required to maneuver straight down this trench and skim the surface to this point. The target area is only two meters wide. It's a small thermal exhaust port right below the main port. The shaft leads directly to the reactor system. A precise hit will start a chain reaction which should destroy the station. Only a precise hit will set up a chain reaction. Oh, you know, one thing I want to mention, too, I think just about the story in general, what I liked as far as it tying into the to the saga films, too, is I thought it was cool that with uh, the prequels kind of being about Anakin being a good person who turns bad, this whole movie's kind of, in a way, about bad people who turn good um, because the Rebellion's kind of a, were jerks in this one. <laughs> you know, there's the rough dudes. Yeah. Um, who ultimately decide that they want to do something good to help people and, you know, redeem themselves, which we find Vader doing, you know, by Return of the Jedi. Yeah, and I thought it was interesting that when we meet the Rebellion in Rogue One, with Cassian especially, but even when you go into Yavin, these are people that are, like, hanging on by a thread. Like like when Leia says in the message to Obi-Wan that it's their most, most desperate hour. Well, it's... It's true. It's like the rebellion's most desperate. Like they're just on the verge of like calling it quits and hanging up the whole thing and giving up. And they're resorting to crazy dirty tactics to to keep everything secret and safe. It's cool to in a way to have like almost a concrete timeline of things in a way cuz I never really imagined watching a new hope in the past that that the rebels were really that new. Like I always felt like the rebels had been fighting for a long time. And then this happened to just be another battle with the Death Star, and it's kind of cool to see it where it was almost like the Rebel Alliance really didn't have their stuff together until Jin came along and, and this whole Death Star thing, and and that the Rebel Alliance we see in A New Hope really was formed kind of very recently based on the fact that the Death Star was coming. Yeah, and then looking at where the Rebel Alliance, like the base on Hoth, and how much more advanced that is, or... The Rebel Briefing Room in Return of the Jedi. Kind of like yeah. the advances that they've made over time through the films. So what did you think about the start? No crawl, no just a, a galaxy far, far away? No problem with it I whatsoever. It was perfect. No problem. I kind of like the uh, Gipaginos, uh guacamole's music blast at the beginning because it's almost like a crawl just ended. 
No, I thought it was great. I did not miss the crawl. I think it would have been weird with the crawl. I th- yeah, I thought it was perfect. When I saw that, I was like, oh, man, yeah, they did exactly what I, th- I hoped they would do. And it's it's fitting for the whole film. It's I almost feel like a crawl would have hurt the movie because then you would have sat down and like, okay, I'm watching a Star Wars movie where you're still watching a Star Wars movie, but right away by not having the crawl and starting it the way it does, you're introduced just by that, like, yeah, you're watching a Star Wars movie, but this is going to be different. Instead of reading about Jin's backstory, in Galen and Credit's backstory, you visually get to see it. Yes. Um, man, in that first shot, I liked how this carries over through the whole movie, that even though they were trying to stick to some of the feel of the of the earlier films, the space stuff was almost more realistic in a way, like the shot of the Krennic shuttle going through the rings of the planet, and mm-hmm. you can only see half of the rings because they're in shadow. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just a lot of the kind of establishing shots of the planets, and even the the views from the Death Star with how like three D the terrain looked, where you could see mountains and things. Like it didn't look like a matte painting; it looked like you were really in space. Mm-hmm. And I I love that with the rings being obscured by the shadow, because you're like, what am I even seeing here? Yeah, because the first time it was like, wait. Yeah, what is this? Which was cool. It was kind of even more abstract than the Force Awakens start with the which is the shadow of the ship. Right. And I think music wise, I think it starts great, like you said, the the little stinger at the beginning and then starting out with I think my favorite theme, which I don't know if it's officially Krennic's theme, but it's always when Krennic's on. Mm-hmm. A little march. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I thought that was a great start. I think after watching this, you can definitely tell Michael Giacchino is not John Williams. Mm-hmm. I don't think anyone is John Williams, but I think he did a good job, especially... He only had a month or whatever to do. Yeah, well, and I like that he's not... His his score definitely has nods to John Williams in style and everything else, but he very much made it his own. Yeah. Yeah, and that's actually something to bring with the beginning, too. Like, we didn't get any fanfare or the traditional Star Wars theme ever in this movie, right? Like, it didn't start with any sort of recognizable music it was went right into the new stuff yeah which is very gutsy well and right away i knew any i didn't not like i had any doubts or any fears but as soon as i saw the um the airso droid (laughs) whose (laughs) name pops out of his head yeah his name is essie by the way oh yeah as soon as i saw essie i was kind of like yeah all right (laughs) this is gonna this is gonna be great this is no problem here I had a big smile on my face, that whole, the whole, uh, beginning planet thing. Um, oh, and then, yeah, I thought it was really cool too. the whole, just the shot of Krennic walking with the death troopers, which we'd seen before, but it, it, it didn't sink into me to watching the movie in the theater, how 
cool that is as far as basically an invert of what we'd seen with Vader in black walking with white stormtroopers, seeing Krennic in white walking with black stormtroopers. Can we talk about real quick the deaf troopers and their voice? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. If you would ask me to predict what the death troopers were going to talk like, that wasn't anywhere on the list, but it was awesome. Yeah, that, again, that was right away in the beginning of the movie where I was kind of like, well, okay, all right. Yeah. Yeah. You're speaking my language. Yeah. The, the only thing with their voice that creeped me out is there's like two other scenes in the movie where someone off screen is speaking English, and a couple of the shots, it makes it seem like it's the death troopers talking. Did you notice that? No. Like, there's a shot on his shuttle where I think it's supposed to be that the pilot is talking because I think he's got like in a little officer buddy. Like if you look in the visual dictionary, like he has an officer buddy with him. Actually, yeah. I think on on Edu he comes. You can see that guy. So I think it's supposed to be that guy talking. Yeah, because when they're when they're flying to Edu, he's like approaching Edu, sir. Yeah, but when if you look on screen, all you see is Krennic and Death Troopers. So it's yeah. a little weird. It's like they have this really polite. English accent, or they're going, <laughs> um, and then after the big explosion, and somebody like says, you know, we have to go, sir, or whatever. Like it's, it made me feel like it was the Death Troopers talking, but they were again speaking in this like beautiful accent because they don't actually show who's talking. But I'm assuming it's supposed to be that Imperial dude is like his assistant. That would just make the Death Troopers more evil if they can just, <laughs> as they feel like it, just dip into approaching Edo, sir. Yeah, they're either really polite or speaking in secret code. And the Visual Dictionary also kind of explains what the heck they are, that they're zombie robots, androids. Yeah, they're like Universal Soldier. (laughs) The ultimate weapons of the future have declared war on each other. Jean-Claude Van Damme, Dolph Lundgren, Universal Soldier. Stop. That is an order. I don't know. They were cool. I was a little bummed that they, like, it makes sense. They didn't need to explain what they were in the movie, but because Catalyst didn't address them at all, I was a little bummed that they didn't have some in the movie. Like, it would have been nice in Catalyst to at least, like, acknowledge that Krennic has a special squad because he wants to feel important or, you know, why he has the Death Troopers and nobody else does. Right. Um, but they're cool. They look cool. They sounded cool. I like when one of them falls down the um, the data pit. Oh. <laughs> yeah. uh, makes me want to maybe they finally have a stormtrooper costume for tall people. <laughs> <laughs> and I yeah I I can wear it and not have to talk to anyone. <laughs> now, did you find? Um, that reading catalyst with all the opening scenes, did it enhance it for you? Did it? No, I think it helped. Like I kind of felt bad for people who didn't read catalyst. And I was, I'm really curious to, to talk to more people um, this week who saw the movie, who didn't read catalyst to f- kind of get their take on chronic. Cause I was surprised how kind of minimal minimalist chronic was in the film based on how much we got of chronic and Galen's backstory and catalyst. So it was hard for me to kind of even, appreciate how much of his character and story the film brought across brought across because I kept thinking about Catalyst the whole time. And I thought the the movie Krennic his 
his whole thing with being on the Death Star was a direct continuation of the Krennic you saw in Catalyst. I was like, yeah. this makes perfect sense, everything he's doing. Yeah, and, and that's why I wonder how clear that was to people who didn't read the book. And I like that on Krennic in the movie, absolutely nothing goes right for that guy. Nothing. <laughs> no. Like, I wish there were, like, shots of him, like, in the shuttle, and he's like, finally, a cup of coffee, oh, and it spills or something. Or... <laughs> yeah, he, he's hitting his head on things. Yeah. Damn it. He's like Eugene Levy and Splash. Just keeps having accidents. So then, yeah, so then we cut to uh, the trading post thing, right? Oh, my the, God. The asteroid, the city between the asteroids. And at that point, I was like, man, this is like, it is. It's like original trilogy prequel madness where there was just this huge crowded city. It was like a Guardians in the Galaxy looking thing with the to the top and bottom or like right out of the old comics. Yeah, and it, the city reminded me of like a Blade Runner kind of thing going on with like really crowded streets and yeah I, th- I was just like man we have never like trading posts in a star wars movie like we're going deep here yeah or any sort of i mean the closest thing we saw to like an asteroid base was the uh at the end of revenge of the sith again too with the uh polis polis massa yes the the polis yeah yeah massa the- ins, which again it's cool it's like it's transitioning kind of from the end of Revenge of the Sith, like right into this original trilogy kind of time frame. Mm-hmm. And then we get to see Cassian. There's no question who shot first. <laughs> <laughs> Cassian's kind of a kind of a jerk. Yeah. With my There's arm. No, no gray area there, like at the beginning of the movie. I can't climb out of here with my arm. Yeah, that poor guy. Yeah. When's he getting a standalone movie? Uh, yeah, but it was cool because like right at that moment I was like, okay, they aren't messing around. Like they these this isn't the good happy rebellion guys. Like these are the the dirty guys mm-hmm. getting business done however they have to. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like they're on the run, the rebellion, and they got to cover their tracks and got to be dirty, dirty deeds, dirty deeds. <laughs> I mean, that's his call sign. We never got to see him give his call sign. What's your call sign? Dirty deeds. Dunder cheap. So, and then we cut to more Revenge of the Sith love with, yeah, the turbo tank. Mm-hmm. Um, which, again, I had no idea that was going to be in there. And when it... When they cut to the inside, too, it was like, man, we saw this in the trailer. It was in the turbo tank the whole time. We didn't even know. Another crazy planet just to have a crazy planet. Like, I don't even know when she was in prison. Was that the same planet? Or did uh, they just move her to that planet to start working? I, you know, the way you. the way the opening of the movie works, I'm going to say it's a different planet. Because they're going to all the planets in the beginning of the movie. Yeah. I did, and that's one thing with Rogue One. Because before the movie came out, people were saying, oh, this, is, this one's just for the fans. And I was like, nah, it's impossible. But then I'm like, well, maybe it is. Because, like, I was thinking, if you're watching this and you don't know who Mon Mothma is... 
or you don't know who Bail Organa is, you might be kind of lost in like them putting the little the labels on the planet. We've never had that before. It didn't bother me at all, but I kind of get it because it's like they kind of got have to help people a little bit in the beginning there. Yeah. But what I really liked with that too is again that made it feel like the comic books. Where if you're in a comic book and they go to another planet, a lot of times, you know, in the corner it's gonna say we're at Yavin Four or something and right. I, just, I thought that felt into the whole the whole feel of this being like a live action comic book version of Star Wars was perfect. Um, I was surprised too, Mike. My wife watched has watched all the Star Wars movies, but she's not a huge fan. She knew what was going on and enjoyed it and I think she liked it more than Force Awakens even. So and she doesn't know who Mon Mothma is. <laughs> Oh, do we go to Yavin after that? Yeah, then we go right to Yavin. Yeah, whenever they went to the Yavin, it just, man, the Yavin, they made Yavin base look so beautiful. Um, part of me wished they would have had at least one shot where they were, like, deep in the hangar, and, and it was just black with lights hanging from the ceiling, like in A New Hope. <laughs> yeah. You know, where it's, like, just to tie it in a little bit. But, yeah, Yavin looked great. Um, you get to see the ghost for the first time at that part. There's a, like, top-down shot of the ships, and up in the corner is the ghost. Mm-hmm. Bothans died to bring us this information. Admiral Akbar, please. Um, so, yeah, speaking of Mon Mothma, she was fantastic. Oh, yeah. Absolutely perfect. So much so that it was kind of like, I think, uh, how good uh, Ewan McGregor was with Obi-Wan that I almost kind of forgot about what the real original Mon Mothma was like. Right. Like, she's almost Mon Mothma. The real Mon Mothma now. Real Mothma. Mon Mon Real Ma. Yeah, most Mon Ma. (laughs) I love that they later on, too, someone calls her Mon. Yeah. Hey, Mon! Hold on to your briefs. It's time for another episode of Hey, Mon! (laughs) And speaking of, I'm in love with General Merrick. Yeah. Of Blue Squadron. He's a real Merrick and hero. Yeah, he was great. I'm General Merrick forever in Blue Squadron. Something about Blue Squadron in general, the blue uniform, and them being led by Merrick and his mustache. Merrick mustache. Yeah, in a in a movie full of mustaches, he you could tell he he had a general mustache. <laughs> yeah, and then Bale comes walking out like a champion. You really think that's a wise decision under these stressful times? Yeah, I like that was a I think I thought another very prequel moment where it's like we will bring him to the Senate and then bum 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 out of the shadows comes Bail Organa. <laughs> it, was, it was like the you know it's not out of range for the Sith bum 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 and Darth Maul comes out of the shadow or out into the hologram. <laughs> it's the same sort of thing. And that tripped me out too. Just the mention of the Senate, like oh man, they're gonna put they're gonna put Galen Erso in a pod. <laughs> I know, you can dream. I know. Oh, man. So then after that, we go to Jetta, right? Yeah, right. Well, they don't even go to Jetta yet. We cut to Jetta. To yeah. Bodhi. Yeah. Who is at the best party in the galaxy with Moroff and two tubes. And some guy in a black speeder bike helmet. <laughs> or, yeah, biker scout helmet. Yeah. Oh, and then, yeah, Two Tubes is a movie star. 
Well, and then they go and meet Saw Gerrera. There could have been a whole hour of just Saw. Saw was such a tease. <laughs> he, man, Forrest Whitaker was taking it to the next level. And if I would have known about Saw's suit, I would have dressed as Saw for the movie just so I would have had a way to bring in an oxygen tank. Because the whole time with Saw, I was like, man, he's watching Rogue One right now. And everyone's just got to take a break and get some oxygen. <laughs> I love when they, he mentions Galen Erso and his eye starts twitching. And he takes the hit off the oxygen tank. Yeah. Bogalit. Oh, Bogalit, man. Can't get to that yet. Not there yet. We're not there yet. Buddy, Rook, look boy. So kind of after that, we go to the Death Star, right? starts tarking it to the next level <laughs> tarking it to the extreme more extremely <laughs> yeah the big boss the grand moff back from the dead <laughs> like we because we pretty sure tarkin was going to be back and we heard that tarkin was going to be back but i don't think i really acknowledged or realized that he was really going to be cg until what, like the day before the movie came out, when after people started talking about it from the, uh, I think the European release. Yeah, and we, and we all assumed it would be like a treat that popped up in the movie, but we didn't really, we th- we didn't think it would be much more than a cameo. Yeah, but the fact that Tarkin was kind of not only a major supporting character in the movie, but in a way, someone could argue if Tarkin is the movie's actual villain. Yeah, I think he is. Because he's the one really given even Krennic the hardest time. Yeah, it's the movie's, on the bad side, it's like Krennic versus Tarkin, which is right out of cattle. It's like, Tarkin was kind of the villain in that, and I remember us talking like, man, they kind of justify in Catalyst like why Tarkin would be busy and not show up in Rogue One. Sure. But they also kind of set up that whole rivalry between the two of them so when Tarkin if Tarkin did show up I'd be like oh man you know there's Tarkin Mm -hmm. and oh man there was Tarkin (laughs) Governor Tarkin I should have expected to find you holding Vader's leash I recognized your foul stench when I was brought on board charming to the last. Well, and then that first shot, they're like, look, he's in the mirror, and it's like, oh, they're just going to show his reflection. And right. then it's like, nope, I'm going to turn around and just start talking. I'm going to tark in your ear off. <laughs> yeah. And what's funny is, like, so I saw it today with my daughter, and she had no idea that Peter Cushing died over 20 years ago. Like, for her, this was just the guy that was in the old movie again. Yeah, my kids it didn't and like I said, I think I don't think my wife even noticed you. Like it was just like another old Imperial dude that didn't even register to them that it was not a real person. Which is interesting because like if you watch it and you know that you know that Peter Cushing isn't around anymore and you know you're looking at a special effect, then you start looking for the flaws. Yeah. And I think if if you know 
CG effects and animation and things, you can kind of know where to look, where the, you know, where things might fall apart. But yeah, I think the average person, I think, is not going to know or care. Right. Um, and even, yeah, and it was just, I don't know, it was so cool to see Tarkin back. And now having Tarkin in two Star Wars films, you know, that was always the the sadness of A New Hope. is like Tarkin is so awesome in that movie. And he's only in that one. Yeah, I think in the 90s, we talked about that very fact that it made us physically sad to think that you only had Tarkin in one Star Wars movie. Yeah, if Tarkin wasn't enough, like right after that, then we're we're taken to another flashback, which is pretty much we're seeing a scene from Catalyst in live action on Coruscant. Yeah, which is crazy. Which that blew me up because I was just like, oh my God, we're back on Coruscant. And look out the window. Holy crap, it's Coruscant. And... Galen looks like super sexy in his imperial, <laughs> his imperial uniform. He looked awesome. It's like all I was thinking is like, man, they better make a figure of like young imperial Galen Erso. Yeah, just look cool. And weren't they like in Catalyst? I was trying to think like, weren't they like in a special part of Coruscant where they were like low? Because I was like, man, we've never seen like out a window in Coruscant from a low point of view, which they were. Yeah, I was trying to remember which scene that was. If that was, I think, when they still had their own apartment before they got moved into the um, Imperial Complex. Yeah. It's like earlier in the book when they first got to Coruscant before he agrees to uh, work for Krennic at all. And that was tripping me out, too, because I was like, man, that part that we're seeing, that flashback, that is like right after Revenge of the Sith. Mm-hmm. Like the Jedi Temple is still standing at that point. Like that, all that yeah. was tripping me out. You can see one of the landmarks out of the window. I thought it's something. Yeah, it's some very coruscant-looking building out there. keeps building and building as far as insanity because right after that who do we meet Bogalit 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 the Bogalit one he knows you'll find Bogalit. the truth yeah what were you thinking at the Bogalit moment I was like I had no idea this was going to come. Why doesn't any, why wasn't anyone talking about this? Where were the cell phone videos of Borgullet? I was just started laughing. I was like, what the heck is going on? <laughs> <laughs> I, I was like, man, probably Gareth Edwards was just like, okay, Tony Gilroy, you want to come in, finish my movie? That's cool, whatever. But the board guy that has to stay. Yeah, or maybe that's why it was like, Tony, can you finish all these this that drama stuff? I'm busy getting board gullet to work because poor Bodie Rook. Oh man, yeah. I'm the pilot. I'm the pilot. I I brought the plans. I'm the pilot. Bodie Rook no. in the prison cell after he had to go hang out with Borgullet. That was me after I saw Rogue One the first time. Yeah, Borgullet is Rogue One, <laughs> and everyone watching it, Bodie Rook, 
because it just messes with your brain. Your mind's not the same afterwards. <laughs> it's like that's why Saw. I think it's so good. Saw is basically the Star Wars fan watching Rogue One. You need the oxygen tank, mm-hmm. and he's warning you that Rogue One or Borgullet is going to mess with your mind. <laughs> Borgullet. If we're lucky, there will be a Saw Gerrera Borgullet two pack. Oh boy, let's hope. With Bodie Rook in a chair. I hope the Belgian builders are working on a Borg gullet. You can sit in a chair. Celebration? Yeah, you can sit in a chair across from him. <laughs> oh, that would be awesome. They would just wrap you in tentacles and take your picture. Yeah, get your picture taken. Get your mind wiped. He knows. Um, uh, yeah, when uh, our friend Richie, basically, after the scene, he was like, the movie, the iris could just iris out and the movie could be over and he would have been happy. <laughs> so, which I agree. That could have been. Q credits. I figured I would like cheer it because Donnie Yen, but. Yeah, I thought Cheer was. It's like Donnie Yen should get an Academy Award <laughs> for Cheer It. If they gave like an award for the most awesome, Donnie Yen would win it. I'll tell you the line, Cheer It's line, the strongest stars have hearts of Kyber. I was like, man, that's awesome right there. Oh, one thing to mention with Jetta that we didn't get to see in the film, but is in the visual dictionary. Because um, we always were, we were all excited for Uncola, who looks like he didn't make it into the final film. He's nope. the, new, uh, the new Zuvio. Yeah. Um, but in the visual dictionary, they show that other, the lady version, where they're called the decraniated. Yeah. They're basically like cyborg people who've had their brains removed. <laughs> yeah, I was and like, when I saw it today, I was really looking for someone with half a face and I don't think they're in the movie at all. No, that's such a tease. Oh, so the, the decraniated people, it kind of is implied in the visual dictionary that Dr. Evesen was the one doing the procedures. Oh, and he was on Jetta and like trying to get out of there. Yeah. And then he pretty much takes off right away to Tatooine. Yep. Tries to go hang out in a bar, and Mike Krennic is just having the worst time ever. I loved how giant Pondo Baba's head was. <laughs> and I like I how he like steps in. Like seriously, don't listen to this guy. <laughs> yeah, then we go back to, to Saw's place. Every time I watch it, when Saw's like, on this day, <laughs> I'm always like waiting for him to be like, on my birthday. You come back today for my birthday? Of all days, for my birthday? I even have a cake. (laughs) There's not much of me left or the cake. So then more Death Star drama. And then uh, what do we get? The hologram. Oh, the very emotional hologram with Galen. Yeah, I thought all of that was great and I love the way that um Saw Guerrero's looking at her. I don't know, I wish with Saw coming on Rebels now, 
I almost wish we could learn more about that story of young Jin and Saw training her in her days as part of Saw's crew. Yeah. But there's no reason Rebels couldn't have a flashback either. That's true. Um, or Saw, you know, talks about Jin when he's talking to Kanan, knowing that Kanan has Ezra or something like that. Like, right. I could see some parallels there. Who knows what they're going to do? I knew a girl. <laughs> she was really awesome. <laughs> oh, when they hook uh, Kanan up to the Borgullet, maybe you can see uh, Saw's mind. Um, Ezra, you know Ezra, you gotta go to the Borgullet. Borgullet, your hair cut off. <laughs> you came here on this day. Today. My <laughs> on my birthday. Came here to kill me? <laughs> on my birthday? That's rude. And then they head off to Edu. 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 <laughs> hey, dude, we're going to Edu. Which I love that whole scene on that little platform with all the uh, Project Celestial Power workers and their sweet lab coats. I Have they started making shirts and stuff with that logo? Uh, only a matter of time. Because that was a hot logo, which yeah. was on the crates, too. All the orange crates had that logo, too. Mm-hmm. Um, the kind of Death Star-looking, Imperial-looking logo thing was neat. Um, my only thing I was kind of bummed is they were all the cool alien scientists in Catalyst, and it didn't look like any of them made the cut to the, to the final team. No, it was just a bunch of old dudes. Yeah. Would you get a you get an early tease of the X Wing battle? Now, one thing that happens on Edu that is really sensational, and I, I'm calling it Cheerit's big gulp. When he takes a hand, he takes he a hand in the air. Yeah, he takes a handful of air, puts it in his mouth, and that gives him. And then he makes like a rock and roll fist, and that gives him the power to shoot his super bowcaster thing and take down a Tie Fighter. Yeah, he's tasting the air. He's listening. He's filling wow. himself up with the force. And then, yeah, with the Edu stuff, it was our first glimpse of Y-Wing's bombing stuff, which was always, like, in the video games and stuff, what they would do. And I think in all the, like, just... If you'd read about Y-Wing's, it talked about how they were bombers. But mm-hmm. we never really got to see that on film before. <laughs> Then shortly after that, surprise, surprise, Lando in disguise, we go to Mustafar. Mustafar. It didn't get a title card, 
do you think they just wanted it to be mysterious or do you think they were actually worried that there'd be people who were like, Oh man, <laughs> I'm walking out. You know, I thought that too, but then also I thought like, well, everybody's seen revenge of the Sith and everybody knows we're on Mustafar, but maybe it was mysterious. I don't think they're, I don't think they were trying to hide anything, any kind of callback to the prequels. Yeah. It's hard to say, but yeah, probably not. But, but it's a little weird that they made sure to mention all the other planets. I know, like, the Visual Dictionary says that Palpatine wanted Vader to live on Mustafar, but I like to think also that Vader wanted to live on Mustafar because I think about, like, him looking out that window in his sweet castle and just seeing Mustafar and being, like, constantly reminded of the end of Revenge of the Sith, of him in his mind, still thinking he killed Padme or that battle with Obi-Wan and looking out at that and seeing all that just makes him stronger, builds his hate more. Yeah, definitely. Um, The thing with that whole scene too, which I thought was really awesome is the fact that for Revenge of the Sith, they kind of, even Lucas said that the whole Vader creation was based on Frankenstein Mm -hmm. and that now in this movie, he's basically turned into Dracula (laughs) and he's got his castle and his coffin and his little old man that takes care of him during the day when he's sleeping in his coffin. Um, and even the, his like reveal in shadow, like just seemed like a very Dracula movie kind of thing. Oh yeah, totally. And I thought Vader moved great. I thought he sounded fine. Yeah. I thought he sounded great. Like he sounded even like better than he did on rebels. Yeah. And, like, one thing I'll say with the, um, you know, don't choke on your ambitions line. So many people are given that line a hard time. And it's, like, in my mind, I'm, like, if you're going to start criticizing Star Wars for having maybe just one line of cheesy dialogue, maybe you shouldn't be watching Star Wars movies. Yeah. No, I I started, like, that was right away. I was, like, man... It's like a Schwarzenegger line, but he he has lines close to that in Empire. Like, it's totally in character for him to say a snappy comeback like that. Yeah, apology accepted, Captain Nita. You know, like, Star Wars and cheesy lines, they're best friends. Yeah. It's what happens in a Star Wars movie. I was I, I, I was thinking about those royal guards that all they do all day is just stand there and look at Anakin's naked limbless body. Yeah, it's it's burned junk, <laughs> just hanging out, floating around. And that's a, yeah, that's what they do. That's what you do if you're a royal guard. And I like how Krennic so badly through the whole movie wants to talk to Palpatine, but I'm like, man, have you have you ever seen Palpatine? Do you even know what that guy's deal is? You don't want to talk to him. You will find that it is you who are mistaken about a great many things. It's not going to work out the way you want. I was, I think they did a great job too of like, I was kind of, you know, we, I think I had talked about too, like it would have been cool to see 
Ian McDermott as Palpatine again, but I think the way the story worked out, it was great that he wasn't there and they were kind of, yeah, keeping him back to this mysterious person that we're not going to really see again for three more movies. Right. Um, he's got other stuff to worry about. He's not even really caring about the Death Star that much. It's like Tarkin's thing. Mm-hmm. Mustafar. Yeah. Mustafar. <laughs> I still can't I still can't believe it's real. We gotta start saving our money. Cause I bet you Hot Toys is gonna make a Vader in the Bakta tank. Oh yeah. you could pour milk in it. Just think about that. Oh my god. I got so excited though thinking, oh my god, they're gonna show the face. Uh, what's gonna happen here? Yeah, they got really close. Yeah, then they cut. Then they, they they chickened out a little bit, which is fine. Vader can be whatever people imagine him to look mm-hmm. like, I guess. Mm-hmm. Then we didn't have Watto flying in. <laughs> Any little Annie? <laughs> what? <laughs> Holy crap! What happened to you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Your junk was burned. <laughs> you look rough, Annie. Hey, <laughs> maybe you can help me with some deadbeats, huh? Oh, that old dude. I like that the Emperor had all his old dudes that hung out with him and Vader's got his little old dude that hangs out with him. Yeah. It it only oh. it it was like five minutes after the movie came out and people already were saying that Snoke, so there you go. Hmm. Maybe. <laughs> maybe, maybe. 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 Maybe there's a turkey under that robe. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I thought that was really cool too, because like with with uh, Chirrut and Bay's kind of people who worship the Force but aren't Jedi, we got to see the opposite of that. Where we have, you know, there's that old guy who probably is into the dark side but doesn't have any power. He wants to be around that, so he you know probably worships the dark side and he does whatever Vader tells him to. Mm-hmm. No grocery stores on Mustafar. But you can always have like probably really good barbecue. That's true. That's true. Just, like he's a pit master when he's not taking care of Vader. Some sausages, some brats, <laughs> yeah. some Chicago brats, some brisket. <laughs> Vader, your brisket's ready. Don't choke on the BBQ. <laughs> yeah. Somebody's eating all the BBQ and he does a chokehold on him. Or, or they did they cut the scene where Krennic's eating the barbecue and he stains his shirt? <laughs> oh, for the for the week I'm having, jeez! <laughs> I should have yeah, I should have worn my poncho from the beginning of the movie. Oh. Yeah. The movie just keeps getting crazier. Cause we go back to Yavin now, right? Yeah, we go back to Yavin, the big meeting. And one thing I took away from the big meeting there on Yavin is when Jin is given her passionate speech, that one part where Bail Organa looks up. At that moment, I was like, he's looking up and the look on his face. I was thinking that's because at that moment, he's reminded of Padme. Yeah, I bet you're right. And maybe that's me reading in too much, but I was like... 
I want to believe that because, you know, Padme is really the person that first got the Rebel Alliance organized along with Bale. Yeah. And you have that moment where the whole alliance is talking about scattering the fleet or possibly disbanding. And her voice at that moment almost even sounds like Padme. And I was just like, man. And then right after that, them mentioning the Jedi and hiding and Obi-Wan. And I don't know, in my mind right there, I was like, oh, this is all really tapping into some prequel magic here. Yeah, I agree. And we get more Blue Leader of Merrick standing we around. Get Blue Leader, well, and we get yeah. the introduction of the other superstar, of my personal superstar, <laughs> the Radis. Ah! Radis Maximus. Yeah, Radis really stole the show. Radis was kind of like Tarkin in a way, where we knew that Radis is going to be in the movie, but we didn't know the extent of which Radis would be in the film. No, because I figured Radis was going to be like Akbar was in Force Awakens, and he's going to just say some line if we're lucky, or he's just going to be standing in the background. Yeah. But then he started talking, and then he kept talking. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> what? <laughs> Get out of my head, movie. And then it, in the end space battle, he shows up, on the magic chair, spinning around, and I don't care, we can jump towards that. When something's going on in the space battle, especially when Bodhi Rook is calling up to Radish's ship, and Radish talks down to the planet Jetta. <laughs> what are you talking about, Bodhi Rook? He basically becomes like the main character for the end of the movie, almost. <laughs> yeah. Got the bubble, when all those TIE fighters are flying past, there's a little bubble on the bottom. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah, the Radis is the Radis. Not just the baddest. So, so many just close ups of his face. And his and his little assistants. Yeah. The Easter egg Mon Calamaris. All of the space battle is unbelievable. It's like we were saying in the beginning of the episode. Never would we have thought that something like this would be possible. No, and they did such a good job of like in the trailers it's like, okay, maybe there's gonna be a space battle. But after Force Awakens, I was like, well, it'll probably just be, you know, some little, a little thing to kind of, you know, have a little bit of space action. Mm-hmm. But no, it was like end of Attack of the Clones, end of Return of the Jedi, just war, not, war madness. Well, and let's talk about Gold Leader and Red Leader. Yeah. The shock of the century. Because, again, this movie's, you know, we were digging to find out anything and everything we could about the movie. Oh, yeah. And it took me... I don't think it really sunk in until the third viewing tour. I was like, that's them. Exactly. Like they took the footage, they took unused footage. It's incredible. Yeah. And they just stuck them in the movie and it's like, it doesn't seem out of place at all. No, it's perfect. Yeah. And again, you talk to somebody who doesn't know who hasn't watched a new hope 45,000 times. They don't know. There's just another sweet seventies looking dude flying around at the end of the movie. Yeah. That's amazing. And, there, I don't know. I thought it was really clever the whole Red Five thing too. We get to see how Luke ended up as Red, and they explain it a little bit in the Visual Dictionary too. Um, but it makes sense because it's like when you watch a New Hope, it's like, well, why is he Red Five? Yeah. We didn't get to see uh, Biggs or Porkins. No, weirdly. And 
if I have one complaint with Rogue One, it's Wedge. Well, it's like there's that one part on Scarif where I think Merrick is being tailed by a, like a tie striker. And he's like, I've got one on my tail. And you hear someone say, I'm on it. And it sounds like Wedge. And he does like the wedge move where he shoots it and then kind of flies through the explosion. And I'm like, I don't know. But then we didn't see him in the beginning when they're like giving out the call signs and all that stuff. But I don't. Yeah. But it's like, man, wedge should have been there. I don't know if they asked Dennis Lawson or not. And he said no, but wedge should be part of the crew. Yeah. Well, they could have used. You would think maybe they had footage of him, too. They could have used. I'm sure they Um, had to get permission you know, but I wonder if they're just justifying it where, because they, how they say in the dictionary and stuff too is like there were more pilots than X wings, so Wedge was there, but he just he didn't have a spot yet until somebody died in this battle. Uh, that makes sense. <laughs> Basically, giving I mean I could see that too. We're kind of making like a new hope is it's Biggs, Wedge, and Luke's all f- first battle. Yeah, and Biggs doesn't make it, but Luke and Wedge, you know. They become who they become because of that battle, not because Wedge was in the one before. Yeah. The whole end space battle is absolutely incredible. The the Hammerhead Corvettes, unbelievable. Especially because we were like, it was cool enough that they were there. And we're like, oh man, in the background they have the ships from Rebels that are from the old Republic games. Yeah. Little did we know that it was, yeah, the star of the battle. Yeah. And you know what I really wonder? I wonder if that's either that's, that because that's basically what was the original end somewhat of Force Awakens, where they had some way to get through the shield. Oh, I'm yeah. I'm wondering if... When they were filming for Force Awakens, they were like, hey, let's save that for Rogue One. Or when they were doing Rogue One, they were like, oh, we ended up not doing that for Force Awakens. Let's do that in Rogue One. Yeah, I bet you're totally right. I forgot about that. Because there was supposed to be the ship that could break through shields. Right. Um, and that was how they got onto um, the Starkiller planet. Right. was crazy they could have ended the movie there but then tarkin's like well vader will take care of him yeah well and <laughs> what before we get to vader which we should but one th- one tiny thing is when they are getting the stardust file out did you notice that the um the handles to get the file out are almost exactly like the thx 1138 building the robot police handle things oh you're right that whole, uh, yeah, that whole scene, man. Because that was one of the things I think, uh, gosh, who was it? In Was it Pablo on Twitter or something talking about how the movie was influenced by THX 1138 and A New Hope? Yeah. I mean, the, the handles to get the things out, they're almost exactly like the robot, the like Robert Duvall's job. You're right. Oh, man, that's really cool. Yeah. Um. Well, and with Vader, I wasn't even going to talk about Vader yet. The scene where the rebel fleet's like, "We're going to get out of here," and they oh. and again, you're like, "Oh, it's the hyper. They're all going to go to hyperspace." I've seen this before. This is cool. And Vader's ship shows up. Yeah. And that ship crashes into it. I swear, I went, "Ah!" 
talked to one of my friends at work, and he had the same reaction. He was like, yeah, when Vader's ship came out, I screamed. <laughs> so awesome. And I love that, that one shot of Vader um, looking out the window at all the ships like then exploding and stuff is almost exactly like Kylo Ren looking out the window watching the beam from Starkiller Base go blow up Hosnian Prime. Yeah. Well, it was cool, yeah, throughout the movie that they kind of kept the Star Wars tradition somewhat of mirroring scenes from other movies. Um, but, yeah, they did. It was different to see they really didn't do any of the the catchphrases. We just got the I have a bad feeling about this joke where they didn't let K2SO finish it. Yeah. I think that was it, right? There was no... No one screamed no. There was no this is where the fun begins or I didn't hear a Wilhelm scream in the whole movie. Yeah. <laughs> one by one, everybody goes. But it's like everybody went in a really awesome way. Nothing, for me at least, nothing felt forced or slighted at all. Everybody accomplished something major before they went. Yeah, yeah I agree. Everyone, I mean, for a movie about everybody dying at the end, everybody died in a cool, best way possible. Um, everyone had their moment to Save the save the rebellion, save the dream. <laughs> on my birthday, uh, on my birthday. But man, I don't know what it is. Cheer it, dying is like the saddest thing in all of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Like every time I watch it, it gets sadder each time, to where it's like almost hard to watch that part. <laughs> I mean, I was sad when General Merrick's ship crashed. I was sad when. The gunnership with uh, with Bistan crashes. Yeah, we, he could still be alive though. Oh yeah, I mean, I think he's got secret monkey wings. Yeah, he, he just in the doorway. He just jumped out. I mean, I felt so bad because I was like, we just heard his monkey scream. We just really got to know Bistan for the first time. Yeah. So, I mean, I think Bistan would be back in Episode Eight. I think that'll and be. And he took out more adats than any rebel ever. Yes, well, those are ATACTs. So they're cargo transports. They're different. Yeah, they're adats. <laughs> Shoot the legs out of them. So then we, yeah. So then we get to the ending, and we have Vader in the hallway. Insane, unbelievable. The first shot when he lights up his saber, and it just lights up the whole thing with red. Just fantastic. I love Vader going down the hallway, just holding the fist of holding the one guy up. I almost expected him to just lift his middle finger at the rest of the rebels. Yeah. Well, doesn't he at one point, he catches a laser blast in his hand, and he just keeps it in his hand for a second, and then he shoots it back at them? Yeah, he should have just, like, ate it. I 
know, he's got um, the guy on the ceiling, and that's not even good enough. He's got to, like, cut him with the saber, too. Yeah, behind the back. Yeah, just outrageous. Oh, I was so happy, too, because, like, I've always loved the the saber fight in Attack of the Clones when Anakin turns the lights out, and it's just Dooku and Anakin swinging swords around in the dark. Mm-hmm. And I was happy, yeah, just to see Vader basically with just the light from his saber lighting things up. It's Anakin style. Mm-hmm. Well, even some, and again, I might be reading too much into it, but some of his saber twirls and stuff reminded me of very cocky Anakin Skywalker. Yeah. I, yeah, I felt the same way where this was really, because we haven't seen this Vader before other than Rebels where it's like, this is before he knows about Luke and has any doubts. It starts to like, get soft a little bit. Full on, he's been, he just hangs all day thinking about bad stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, he's just mad and showing off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hanging out on Mustafar thinking about what a jerk he is. Yeah. Eating barbecue. Mm-hmm. Pulled slow pulled pork. And then finally they give the plans to Leia and hope. And that's, you know, I'm fine with it. It looks great, my opinion. Whatever. the end being more perfect than that like it goes into new hope perfectly without robbing new hope's intro of anything and i think it's cool how the movie kind of just keeps up in the intensity to where when this movie ends like you want to put new hope in right away because it's like i gotta see what happens next have you done it yet i haven't it's wild will you put it in if you watch at least the beginning, like first 10 minutes or so of New Hope now, while Rogue One is still fresh in your brain, it's really kind of crazy how perfectly it syncs up. I got a couple weeks off for, for Christmas break, so yeah, I'm going to try to plan one of my screenings to as soon as Rogue One's done, come home and watch New Hope, I think. Well, and like, so over the weekend, Rogue One made a million bajillion dollars. So the great thing with that is now this just shows to Disney and Lucasfilm that they don't have to just make Boba Fett movies, that they can make original Star Wars stories that intersect or cross over with the existing Star Wars movies, but have new characters and tell their own stories. And that they can, they don't have to follow the visual conventions of the, the saga films either and have a crawl and have, yeah, they can kind of, I'm hoping this uh, really opens up. I, th- I always felt like they are, gonna get wilder for han solo anyway but i'm sure this just justifies any out there choices that they were planning on doing if not inspiring them to do more and with the technology with tarkin and leia anything is possible now anything's possible like eventually if they do make a kenobi movie we could see ewan mcgregor as obi-wan kenobi's talking to a 15 year old mark hamill like it's not out of the realm of possibilities at this point. Like they can do yeah. anything. Yeah, anything is possible, and it's all on the table right now. Yeah, yeah. we could get it. We could get an all Tarkin movie 
that's just CG Tarkin the whole movie. I'm down with it. What is he doing in his downtime? Uh, I want to know these things. The regional governors now have direct control over their territories. Fear will keep the local systems in line. Fear of this battle station. curious too to see because uh, episode 8 I mean they're done filming but they have what another year left like Rogue One raised the bar yeah for I think drama and outrageousness <laughs> well and so, I I've got to think too that some of this and we'll probably do an episode all about this coming up but all the talk of the wills and the guardians of the wills I got to think that's somehow going to be related to 8 I mean, that would be pretty crazy to see, you know, Luke and Ray go to Jeddah and see the ruins of the city. Like, what would a big hole in the ground from the Death Star look like? Yeah. Well, and, you know, Kylo Ren could go to Vader's castle. Yeah. Like, the, his training could be taking, you know, Snoke could be chilling at Vader's castle. Thrilling. No. Beautiful. Dangerous. Adventurous. Smoke good, I can't maneuver. Stay on target. We're too close. Stay on target. Close the map. And the more you see it, the better it gets. Star Wars rated PG. Now playing at a theater near you. It's proof the standalone movies can work. Yeah, as unclear as they didn't really market it hard to let people know what it is, but I think people are figuring out what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, yeah, it sounds like everybody's happy with it. It was a success. Do you think it'll be weird now to go back to an episode film kind of after this now? Like even that might be a bit of an adjustment again. I think I'm more excited. It's like I was seeing with Force Awakens. It's like because this felt so different, it makes me appreciate how the saga films feel. And I think going back to eight is going to feel good. Like, you know, like going, it's like comfort food going back to, oh, I, this, you know, the Star Wars I remember. Yeah. And when you go to Han Solo, it's just going to be something crazy and different. I think, I don't know. I think it's going to be good. It's going to keep, it's potentially keeping a movie a year way more fresh and exciting than each year being kind of the similar feel of a Star Wars movie. I don't know. Yeah. We're, we're, we're just now getting used to the new rhythm of how these movies are going to go. Yeah. Well, and they said episode eight's going to be weird, so maybe that will feel completely different too than Force Awakens. Now that they've had Force Awakens to kind of do another new film with the new characters that feels like the previous six Star Wars films, maybe episode eight's going to be its own totally different thing too. Yeah. So we'll find out. But yeah, it's exciting. They're yeah. keeping Star Wars exciting. And these last points, too accurate for sand people. Only Imperial stormtroopers are so precise.
So yeah, we're going to be taking a couple weeks off here at Blast Points for the holidays, but we'll be back with a brand new episode on January 10th, which will be awesome because it'll be about a year almost exactly from the very first episode, which is crazy to think of. Yeah, a lot happened this year. Yeah. And who knows, we might have something new to talk about or after 20 more showings of Rogue One. <laughs> do another two-hour episode. <laughs> we might do another two-hour episode about Rogue One, yeah. But yeah, there's a lot to look forward to in 2017. We'll have Celebration and going right up to Episode 8 and... Um, and I really want to do an episode all about Aunt Beru, so we're going to figure out how to have that happen. That's a good idea. <laughs> Everybody loves Aunt Beru. Um, but yeah, you should leave us a review on iTunes. You know, it helps the show out a ton. And if you write a review on iTunes, a five-star review, we'll read it on an upcoming show. And you should follow us on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. Find out all about... Um, upcoming episodes and you can ask us questions and we'll read those on shows too yeah and have a good break too yeah go see rogue one one million times yeah yeah spend that hour you usually listen to blast points to watch rogue one yeah (laughs) (laughs) gift to you for the holidays (laughs) you get an hour back in your week yeah to watch rogue one a few more times all right well thanks for listening Have a great holiday, and we'll see you in a couple weeks. See you later. Thanks. May the Force be with you. Goodbye, old friend. May the Force be with you. about people at the end of the day we are here to connect may the force be with all of you